Welcome to the Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Amell. I'm your sidekick host, Brandon. This is the show where every week one of us brings a top tennis list on any given topic, along with some hashtag fun facts and some hashtag hot takes, and the other doesn't know what that list is. They try to guess items one through ten on the list. That's what we're doing. And we're going to do that. You brought a list. But first, before I reveal the list, indulge me in a few quick plugs. I want to get out of the way at the top. First of all, Brandon and I were recently on the Twisted and Uncorked podcast, true crime podcast. We are on their July 15th bonus episode. Me and Brandon teamed up to guess the top 10 locations in the U.S. where dead bodies are found, other than Brandon's garage. We had visited many of them. It's true. Encourage you to check that out. It's Twisted and Uncorked. It's available on any podcast app. You can watch it too. Yeah, it's on their YouTube channel as well. If you want to see our beautiful faces... Also, one more plug is this Monday and every Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern, Brandon is going to be live streaming on our new Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash tennispod. If you go follow that, you'll get alerts when Brandon goes live. And right now, I think you're playing Skyrim, right, Brandon, on PS4? We started out playing Skyrim, although Red Dead Redemption 2 was a free download this last week on the PlayStation Now subscription. Mm. So, I'm also considering what if we did a fun playthrough from the beginning of Red Dead Redemption. And the thing I think might be better for the Twitch stream about Red Dead Redemption 2 is there's a lot more weird, wacky encounters between your video game character and the the non-playable characters. There's a lot more of that than there is in Skyrim, which is mostly me crawling around in dungeons looking at zombies. Well, listen, no matter what Brandon plays, He'll be on Twitch every Monday night, and I'm also there in the chat, disrupting him. I also might come on the stream with him at some point. But anyway, even if you're not into those games, it's a good place to chat with Brandon live. Again, that's twitch.tv slash tennispod. There. Doesn't it feel better to have those plugs out of the way right in the beginning? I imagine it's always a relief to pull out a plug. Oh, yeah. That might be the Twitter quote of the week. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me tell you today's list. You're going to really enjoy it. And I thought of this list because on last week's episode when we were talking about chores, Mm -hmm. some might argue that uh, this is a terrible transition. Some of these historical events were a chore for the people of the world to get through. We talked about World War II last week. Uh And we also mentioned the Holocaust. That made me wonder, what are the most important events that have ever happened? I did some searching. I found a poll that Gallup did, which is one of the leading survey and poll providers out there. They did a poll in 1999. They asked Americans, hi Americans, in 1999, what was the most important, significant world event this century? Oh, this is from the American perspective of the 20th century. Exactly. That's the critical piece. It's the American perspective, which leads to some interesting notes I have later. So yes, and and not just American perspective, but it's also done in 1999. You know, who knows how perspectives may have been different then compared to now. I have some data on that as well. So yes, in summary, I said a lot there. Most important events of the 1900s, also known as the 20th century, according to Americans, that's what we're doing the top 10 of today. Okay. So you're going to guess the top 10, although I do have the top 18 in front of me. Okay. Whenever you're ready, we got a lot to cover. Uh, Oh, my sources. Gallup.com, their article on this, history.com, and Wikipedia. Let's start with, is the Challenger explosion in the top 10? Would that be Charles Lindbergh? No. (laughs) So Well, then no. (laughs) (laughs) Challenger is space, right? Lindbergh is the... Yeah. uh, 
first transatlantic flight. So I guess let me guess now guess uh, Charles Lindbergh makes the first transatlantic flight. No, that's number 13. Okay. How about how how do you call uh, describe this as an event? The, the civil rights movement of the 60s. Yes, that is actually on here. Where would you guess such a momentous event would be ranked according to Americans? Number 4? Close, it's number 5. It's the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. You know, I was wondering about this. How much do other countries know about, like, American civil rights stuff? Well, they probably had a lot of it crammed down their throats just because of how much entertainment and media is produced uh, in the States. That's true. I mean, every Western country has their own, you know, history of um, mm-hmm. <laughs> racism, colonialism, and, uh, and oh, yes. civil rights. So. But uh, no, there's been like, you know, tons of movies, books, all kinds of media that we've spread across the world about our civil rights era of the 1960s. Yeah, you're right. So for each of these, I'm going to give two or three bullet points tops of like a brief overview of what it is in case there's any aliens listening out there. Uh, And then I'm going to, for each one, I've also tried to find some lesser known kind of factoids that will be interesting. So... What is the Civil Rights Act of 1964? It passed on July 2nd, 1964. It's a landmark civil rights and labor law in the U.S. that outlaws discrimination based on race, color, but also religion, sex, national origin, and later sexual orientation and gender identity. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements, racial segregation in schools and public accommodations, and employment discrimination. It remains one of the most significant legislative achievements in American history. Brandon, who was an office who got when it this passed? passed? Johnson got it passed. Yeah. Lyndon B. Johnson. After Kennedy was assassinated in 1963, this was one of the big things that Kennedy started that Johnson finished. After a 54-day filibuster, we love the filibuster here in America, passed the U.S. Senate in June 1964. Now, that's what it is, but I thought it'd be interesting to see how people, uh, how Americans in the 60s thought about this. There was a poll done. This might have been Gallup again. The question was, this was in 1964 when this was asked. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that racial segregation in public schools is illegal. Do you approve or disapprove of this decision? Mm-hmm. 32% said that it's a bad idea. So that means uh, about a third of Americans thought that ending segregation in schools was <laughs> just fucking untasteful as hell. Yeah. Does that number surprise you? No, I feel like you probably get that same number today. Yeah. There's a uh, very interesting like uh, correlation with about 30% of, of Americans right now currently believe all kinds of crazy shit like QAnon and Trump one and shit like that. I was about to say that I think Americans were more open about opinions like this in the 60s, whereas now they might be, you know, they might pick the other answer just because. But, you know, in this Trump era we're living in, maybe not. Maybe they're more open now. They're more proud boys. Yeah, girls those now. boys have grown proud. Yeah. So that's the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It was number five. Mm-hmm. My birth is not listed. In... Well, Brandon, we're talking about the 1900s here, not the 1800s. How about the Wright Brothers' first flight? That's a hell of a fucking thing. You know, why the hell isn't that on here? It's not? No, it's not even in the top 18, no. Okay, well... Oh, you know... It did say in the methodology that I skipped before, it said that the, in the poll, mm-hmm. they deleted events that in reality are more like sweeping advances, such as the computer. Oh, okay. 
I think that flight might be one. is yeah probably well these are events related to flight an event based on the fact that that flight started a mere like sixty years before the moon landing in nineteen July twentieth nineteen sixty nine. Now, when you say the moon landing, do you mean the pretend moon landing that has been lied to the American public ever since that it actually happened? I mean the actual moon landing that we have evidence for. Hmm. Interesting take. Hot take, you might say. Well, it's number seven, landing a man on the moon in 1969. Apollo 11 in uh, July of 1969 was the spacecraft that first landed humans on the moon. Commander Neil Armstrong and lunar module pilot Buzz Aldrin formed the American crew that landed on July 20th. It's crazy. Few things. Two people took this extraordinary journey together. That's it. Three people. Oh, yeah, you're right. There is a third person. Uh, but anyway. The third person recently died. He was, his name is Michael Collins. He was the command module pilot. Yes. The other point I wanted to make here is what you said. Again, uh, this is 60 years or just about 60 years from when flight was first invented. And by invented, we mean getting in the air for like a few seconds at a time or like a minute at a time or something. I don't remember the specifics on that, but I know it wasn't much. So, the advancements in flight technology over 60 years is... Uh, I want to say the, pretty impressive. the Wright brothers' first flight was something like 18 seconds and maybe had a height of like 20 feet, 12 or 20 feet at the most, but they had to have been able to tell. Like the first time that the plane flew that they were like, yeah, this is it. This design, we've cracked it. Yeah. But yeah, think about that. 18 seconds, 20 feet or something like that compared to fucking the moon. It's just, it really is incredible. We all kind of just take it for granted now, but. So, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin spent over 21 hours on the lunar surface and collected 48 pounds or 22 kilograms of lunar material that they brought back to Earth. They also kissed and wrestled (laughs) inside the lunar module. I think this is where the first buddy job might have been documented Mm -hmm. as well. (laughs) They're like, God, we've been down here forever. What are we going to do? How are we going to satisfy our needs? And then when like, they finally come back to the command, you know, they dock with the command module and Michael Collins is like, holy shit, you guys are on the fucking moon. How was it? And they're both looking at each other really awkward. He's like, <laughs> it was erotic. Guys, we're gone less than a day and you started jerking each other off. Let's go back home. Yeah. Hey, I'd say that's pretty good though. Less than a day before you cracked. <laughs> they're looking out the window. Sure is lonely on the moon. Well, it wasn't lonely when this landing happened because an estimated 33 countries had people watching this live broadcast, Mm -hmm. 25 million in the US alone. This is at a time when TVs weren't necessarily in every home in America, I think. Millions more around the world listened on radio. It's estimated that 20% of the entire global population watched the moon landing live. The success of the moon landing meant that America had won the ever-important space race. Yeah. After the mission, officials from the Soviet Union said landing humans on the moon was dangerous and unnecessary. At the time, the Soviet Union was attempting to retrieve lunar samples robotically. The Soviets publicly denied that there was a race to the moon and indicated they were not making an attempt at all. Well. What do you have to say about that, Mr. Know-it-all? <laughs> Wait, are you, why are you fucking attacking me? I'm not Russia. No, no, you're just someone to attack. 
I have no idea about what the Russian space program, like where they focused. I know they like they had the first man in space and the first like maybe even the first like full orbit. But then I don't know. Then at some point they had to have just been, I guess they just gave up and like, we're not going to get to the fucking moon. I guess we're just going to sit here and watch these assholes. And when they get there, we're going to bitch out on them really hard. (laughs) Well, that is kind of what happened. But also kind of not, because they did try in 1989. It says they tried to send people to the moon, but were unable due to tech difficulties. The Soviet government obviously limited the release of information about the lunar landing. Yeah. Well, Brandon, let's talk about that big moon elephant in the room. It was all a hoax, wasn't it? Admit it. None of it happened. It was done in a Hollywood studio, filmed by legendary director Stanley Kubrick. When are you going to admit it? Stop trying to... I really like conspiracy theories, but this one, it's got no legs. There's some interesting little things out there, but not enough to make me bite. My last note is that opinion polls taken in various locations have shown that up to 20% of Americans, 25% of Britons, and 28% of Russians believed that the man-on-the-moon landings were fake. So one in four Americans think it's a conspiracy, which is that's one in five fucking high. You said twenty percent. Right? One in five. Well, I was looking at the Britain number, which is twenty five. So yes, one in five. I mean, I would believe anything that you say about Americans at this point, good or bad. Yeah, that's true. Although I think these poll numbers are from years ago, but but still, yeah. Yeah, it might be higher. My no. faith in Americans has dwindled, not increased. It might be hi- a higher percentage that believe it's fake now. Yeah. So good times. Yeah, good times. Uh, Look up the moon landing conspiracy, though, on the internet if you want to go down a fun but probably not real rabbit hole. Okay, so you got, what was that, seven, I think? Seven is the moon landing, five is the Civil Rights Act. Did Americans rank prohibition as one of the most important events? It's a good guess, but no. I'm starting at the bottom working my way to some more popular things. Yeah, I think we all probably can guess what number one is. What about uh, the New Deal? The New Deal. That's Roosevelt, right? Mm-hmm. No, but something very much related to that. Well, I have both the 1929 stock market crash and the Depression written down. I have a feeling they're probably wrapped into the same event. It's true. It's the U.S. Depression of the 1930s is number 10. Might be kind of low, honestly, considering the impacts of that, which I'm going to read about. Mm-hmm. So, the Great Depression, it doesn't just mean that a bunch of people were sad although they were, it means that there was a severe worldwide economic depression that took place mostly in the 30s, began in the U.S., but it uh, became a global depression. The Great Depression started in the U.S. after a major fall in stock prices in 1929, which became known as Black Tuesday when the stock market crashed in October of that year. So between 1929 and 1932, the world gross domestic product, or GDP, fell by 15%. Now, by comparison, The 2008 recession in America, when the housing market crashed, we all lived through that one, the GDP only fell 1%, less than 1% in that recession compared to 15% in the 30s for the Great Depression. In fact, unemployment in the U.S. rose to 23% and in some countries rose as high as 33%. Construction was virtually halted in many countries. Farming communities and rural areas suffered as crop prices fell by 60%. In addition, beginning in the 30s, a severe drought ravaged the agricultural heartland of the U.S. 
By 1933, the economic decline pushed world trade to one-third of its level compared to just four years earlier. Now, what does this all have to do with Roosevelt's New Deal? Well, many historians... like, this deal fucking sucks. <laughs> Current deal blows ass. I think it's time we get a new deal going. Are you reading a verbatim transcript from his speech that he gave that year? Yeah, this is one of those ones where he, like, struggled <laughs> with his braces on his legs to stand up before the chiefs of staff at a big conference table and he pounded on it and said we need a new deal current deal fucking sucks <laughs> no i think sucks ass is what you said <laughs> which is even better for roosevelt uh yeah well his new deal policies either caused or accelerated the recovery which began in 1933 Brandon, uh, I don't know about you, but my grandparents, or at least my grandpa, lived, uh, grew up during mm -hmm. this time, and it has had a lifelong impact on his cheap ass. Yeah. All my grandparents grew up during the Great Depression in Oklahoma, and we're all super cheap. One of my grandfathers like, grew up so poor that it was a better move to lie about his age uh, to go join the army and yeah. go serve in World War II to get out of poverty in Oklahoma. Yeah, well... Because the only job around was digging ditches. It's a very noble job, digging ditches, but yeah, I think I'd rather serve as well. My, my grandfather grew up in California, uh, so it didn't have the Dust Bowl kind of impact as well that yours had, but... He moved out there to, yeah. to pick their grapes and take their jobs. Mine? Yeah, he was an Okie. Oh, you're... I'm oh. just making this up. Is it, was he? Was oh, okay. he from Oklahoma? No, 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 there? no, no, no. I don't have any family from Oklahoma. He was a 49er. He went there in the gold rush. Well, I think he came after the gold rush. I, thought, but I heard he was a 69er. Nothing wrong with a little 69ing though, right, Brandon? The depression. Didn't we talk about that in our production meeting? Okay. The depression. Hey listeners, it's Brandon here and I have a question for you. Do you love receiving electronic mail in your inbox? I want to let you know that the Tennis Podcast monthly email newsletter is here for you. Email is short for electronic mail. It's a free newsletter delivered directly to your inbox electronically on the first Friday of every month. Each e-newsletter comes with my very special cute little blog, The Sidekick Corner. In fact, the newsletter is the only place to read my blog. Plus, e-newsletter subscribers will be the first to see our future episode topics, which means the episode that I'm rudely interrupting right now, our e-newsletter subscribers electronically knew the list topic weeks in advance. The e-newsletter comes with other stuff too, like behind the scenes updates, merch discounts, and more. The best part? You can sign up right now in literally 10 seconds, electronically. All we need is an email electronic mail address. Go to tennishpod.com slash newsletter to sign up and begin receiving the Tennis Podcast electronic mail newsletter. That's tennishpod.com slash newsletter. See you in your inbox. Give me another guess. You have uh, 10, 7, and 5. How about uh, Sputnik? No. That's number 14 is, is Sputnik. The fall of the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall. I didn't know if you'd get that one. Have, by the way, have you noticed, I guess understandably so, but since we're looking at the world events through the eyes of Americans, mm -hmm. everything has been very American-centric so far. So far. But the fall of the Berlin Wall was not, although it affected the world. 
Well, the fall of the Berlin Wall an American, in 19... An American made it happen. I'll let you tell the history side of the story and then I'll tell you what fucking really happened. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. What number was this? Number nine. The opening of the Iron Curtain between Austria and Hungary at the Pan-European Picnic of August 19 and 1989 set in motion a peaceful chain reaction at the end of which there was no longer an East Germany and the Eastern Bloc had disintegrated. It was the start of the fall of communism in Eastern and Central Europe. The fall of the inner German border took place shortly afterwards. An end to the Cold War was declared three weeks later and the German reunification took place in October the following year. After hearing about the news of the Berlin Wall, East Germans began gathering at the wall at the six checkpoints between East and West Berlin, demanding the border guards immediately open the gate. The soldiers were outnumbered, had no way to hold back the huge crowd, and they all started crossing. My last bullet is in a 2009 Washington Post story that characterized the series of events leading to the fall of the wall as an accident, saying, quote, one of the most momentous events of the past century was, in fact, an accident, a semi-comical and bureaucratic mistake that owes as much to the Western media as to the tides of history. And I think that's a good segue for Brandon to tell us what really happened. What really happened was in 1988, David Hasselhoff the show. released the song Looking for Freedom. Is this what you were going to talk about? Because this is what happened. No. Looking for it Freedom was, became a hit song uh, in Europe, especially in Germany. It reached the number one spot for eight consecutive weeks. It was certified platinum in Germany and became the best performing single of 1989 in the country. On June 21st, 1989, Hasselhoff released an album with the same name, Looking for Freedom, and it went fucking balls to the wall and people couldn't stand it anymore. Boston. They wanted to get at Hasselhoff from the east side of the wall, and he was standing on the west side. And they broke that. He tried to stand on the wall to appease them. He's singing Looking for Freedom. They went fucking apeshit and tore that wall down by hand, brick by brick, to get at David Hasselhoff singing Looking for Freedom. Because they were looking How for much it, of this is true? and they found it. All of that was true except for the part where he stood on the wall and belted it out and they tore down the wall. They were blaring fucking Hasselhoff at the fall of the Berlin Wall. David Hasselhoff of Baywatch fame, right? Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of others. Of Knight Rider, Baywatch, fucking SpongeBob from eating that cheeseburger when he was wasted off the bathroom floor in the Las Vegas suite. <laughs> He's from a lot of shit. I haven't seen that last one. Is there a picture for that? No, there's a video. His daughter took it. it was, he has struggles with alcoholism. I don't want to laugh at that, but eating a cheeseburger on the floor. He was like, he was I mean, just fucking wasted. I think they were in Las Vegas. Oh, here it is. May 3rd, 2007, a viral video surfaced online of Hasselhoff appearing to be severely drunk inside his home. His daughter, Taylor Ann, filmed the video. She could be heard interrogating him, asking him to stop abusing alcohol. She also warns her father that he could be jeopardizing his spot in a Las Vegas production of The Producers that he starred in at the time. Yeah, I'm watching the video. He is laying there eating the cheeseburger. You know, I got to say, there's worse things to be eating on the bathroom floor. Yeah, I mean... He's looking rough shape here, though. He's a level of wasted that I have not been in since, like, college, maybe. And I got to think, like, holy shit, it's got to be hard on you as... One, that's something that you have done a lot. And then also, 
you know, whatever age he was in 2007. So that would have, I mean, I'm just thinking, God, that would have kicked my ass. Uh, yeah. I think that would kick a 20-year-old's ass. He's a big old beefy strong guy. Yeah, hell of an ass. Hell of an ass for sure. Anyway, that's the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Thank you, David Hasselhoff, for bringing about what Gallup poll says was a peaceful chain reaction and the end of communism in Western and Central Europe. What about the Beatles appearing on Ed Sullivan? Interesting. That's the first, uh, like, entertainment-esque thing you've mentioned, Mm -hmm. but no. No. Are there entertainment-related things on the list? Hmm. I'm looking. I could only think of one that was as big. Okay. What was the one? I also just thought of, like, Elvis. Yeah. Just whether it was his death or, or his beginnings, either one of those I think would have been pretty big. I think you could argue Elvis is something with Elvis yeah. belongs in a top something. I mean, he's, yeah, we don't have to get into it, but I agree. What about the coronation of Queen Elizabeth? No, Americans don't care about that shit. Hey, I didn't think they would even fucking get the Berlin Wall. So how about the assassination of Martin Luther King? <laughs> You're bringing up all these good ones that I'm like, why aren't these on here? But no. Very important things. A lot of fucking shit happened in the 1900s. But I'll say, um, you know, I think maybe Martin Luther King could be wrapped into the Civil Rights right. Act one. Yeah. Also, I think when you see the rest of the shit on this list, you'll realize like, oh yeah, none of these things on the list should be bumped off the list. Right. So. Well, I only have four notes left. So I'm just going to go ahead and go with my four. Okay. And I'm going to try to go with the ones that are like, you know, smallest to biggest. Uh, I'm going to say the assassination of JFK. No. It is not in the top 10? I'm kidding. It's number eight. Oh. I knew you were about to fucking throw down there. <laughs> no, I mean, I wasn't going to go fight Johan Gallup <laughs> of Gallup Poll, but... Johan Gallup. But that would be pretty incredible could take you, though. thing to miss. The 35th president of the U.S. was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. His head come at open. At Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. What'd you say? I said his head come open. Yeah, he was fatally shot while riding through Dealey Plaza in Dallas with his wife and the Texas governor, John Connolly, and Connolly's wife. They were shot by, according to this, Lee Harvey Oswald, who was a former U.S. Marine firing gunshots from a nearby building. Maybe. We're going to talk about the conspiracy, so hold that. The Dallas Police Department arrested Lee Harvey Oswald 70 minutes after the initial shooting, which I knew that already, but when you read it again, it's like, what a fucking idiot. This guy, this guy couldn't make it more than an hour, 10 well, minutes. Very convenient. Well, that's, a, that's true. Of course, he, didn't, he did kind of leave a trail of a murdered policeman in his wake. Yeah. So, two days later, as live TV cameras were covering the transfer of Oswald from the city jail to the county jail... Hey, Oswald! Yep. He's fatally shot by our friend and listener of the show, Jack Ruby. Oswald died that day. Jack Ruby died in prison later. The Kennedy assassination is still the subject of widespread debate and has spawned numerous conspiracy theories and alternative scenarios. Polls conducted over several decades found that up to 80% of Americans suspect that there was a plot or cover-up. Former L.A. District Attorney Vincent Bugliosi, uh, thank you, estimated that a total of 214 people have been accused in various Kennedy assassination conspiracy theories. Yeah. 214 people. If you want some insight to what made this such a big deal, 
two other things on this list that we've already covered. The 1964 Civil Rights Act and the landing of man on the moon in 1969, both of those were things that Kennedy spearheaded before he died. Two more notes is Kennedy's last seconds traveling through Dealey Plaza were recorded on a silent 8mm film for 26 seconds before, during, and immediately following the assassination. There were no cameras or media there recording. So it's just by luck that we got this 26 seconds from Abraham Zapruder, became known as a Zapruder film. Right. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, in 1999, the U.S. government paid $615,000 per second of film to Zapruder's heirs for giving the film to the National Archives. The complete film, uh, 26 seconds, again, valued at $16 million in 1999. Worth a lot more now. So, Brandon, we've covered it before, so give a very brief, abbreviated version of your opinion of what happened to Mr. Kennedy. I'm split between two ideas. One is that after Oswald began firing, that Oswald did not fire the shot, the full metal jacket bullet that passed through Kennedy's mm-hmm. skull. He didn't fire that shot, that it was an accident, that it was a misfire from one of the automatic rifles carried by the Secret Service in the car following them. They're yeah. all hung over as shit and... I think it might have been a little bit of an oopsie-daisy. I like that idea a lot. It, I know it, it's like a, you know, never tell me the odds type of accident shot, but it does simplify some of the inconsistencies around Oswald's ability to make that shot with that rifle. The other is that Oswald was put there, that Oswald was what he said. He was a patsy. He was made a patsy by other groups and forces that were interested in murdering the president. And I think if that's true, if there were like other groups, I'm most likely lean towards the CIA. Which would make Jack Ruby a patsy as well, right? To take out Oswald. Possibly, yeah. I think Oswald had either FBI or CIA connections. Yeah. I don't know. Jack Ruby also talked a lot of shit. I like the misfire theory. I'd heard that before. And it sounds off the wall when you first hear it, but when you read up on it, it actually seems a little more possible. Yeah. But a cover-up seems just as likely. Anyway, highly recommend, I mean, there's a a million books, a million podcasts, a million documentaries on this, but one that I really enjoyed recently was the last podcast on the left series on the JFK assassination where that theory is explored, the misfire theory. Yeah. What is there to say about Mr. Kennedy's assassination? He's number eight on our list today. And I think if he were alive, he'd, he'd agree, one, that there's nothing to fear except fear itself, and two... He never, he didn't say that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. What, did, what was his? His, his was... Um, he would uh, say, like, the inverse of something. He would say, like, ask not what your country can do for that, you. That was it. But what you yeah. can do for your country. Or he'd say, like, God damn it, I wish my fucking <laughs> head hadn't exploded in Dallas. What do you think the odds are that Don Knotts had something to do with the assassination? <laughs> Like after it hit him and his head popped, he got that bug-eyed look like, oh, fuck. I mean, we can't rule it out. Has anyone checked on where Don Knotts was during that? Then he scrambled (laughs) from the grassy knoll, ran and hopped on a train and started making his way east. (laughs) And he became a landlord to Jack Tripper. He probably had a period there, like after the Andy Griffith show, way before Three's Company, Back when in the mid-60s, early and mid-60s when he was doing some of those Disney movies, 
there's an air in there where he probably didn't have a lot going on, but he had a lot of money, a lot of, t- like, extra time, and a fucking hell of a grudge against the man <laughs> that stole Marilyn Monroe from him. <laughs> now we just, we've layered on more conspiracies to pin on Don Knotts. I'm going to start a Wikipedia article on this. <laughs> Is Don Knotts alive? He's dead. He's long dead. Yeah. So, he can't defend himself, therefore, let's he, just Therefore, he uh, it's him. is one of the suspects. He did it. All right. So, I think you still have five left, right? Yeah. How about um, Vietnam? Would you be surprised if I said no? It's number 12. Jesus Christ. Okay. I do think the ones in the top 10 are more important. Okay. Where does maybe. Korea rank then? Not there. 15. Okay. Well, now I've only got two left. Well, Do you want me to read you 18 through 11? No. World War One. World War One. Where would you guess? Number two. Number six. Okay. Look, we're not historians. I know. So I'm just angry with the rest of Americans who like don't understand a lot of history, but whatever. Do you think World War One is more or less important than the Civil Rights Act of 64? I know that's like impossible to answer, but... In terms of like how it... Yeah, there's, a, there's tons that came out of... Wow. There's tons that come out of both. Yeah, it's hard to answer that. Uh, let's talk about World War I. It's number six. World War I, or the First World War, I like to call it World War II, the prequel, was a global war originating in Europe that lasted from July 1914 to November 1918. It led to the mobilization of more than 70 million military personnel, including 60 million Europeans, making it one of the largest wars in history. It was also one of the deadliest conflicts in history with an estimated 8.5 million combatant deaths and 13 million civilian deaths. I like how there's more civilian deaths than fucking... That's like, what, 20-something million deaths in total? Mm -hmm. But the resulting genocides and the related 1918 Spanish flu pandemic caused another 17 to 100 million... It's a big gap. 17 to 100 million deaths worldwide. Yeah. So, a lot of fallout from the war. (laughs) That's why it's... I'm like... It just affected a whole lot more people than the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The war and its immediate aftermath sparked numerous revolutions and uprisings, which goes to your point again. Ultimately, as a result of the war, the Austro-Hungarian, German, Ottoman, and Russian empires ceased to exist, and numerous new states were created from their remains. Which, again, yeah, the more I read this, the more I'm with you. I think this might need to be higher. (laughs) Yeah. It was called the Great War, the war to end all wars. <laughs> but it did not, as spoiler alert. No. Did not end all wars. Pretty much it on well, World War I. Do you... Yeah, there's just way too much to get into about World War I. But if you're listening and you've got a World War I itch that you want to scratch, huh. I got two good scratchers for it. That movie, 1970, or 1917... Amazing movie. It was a really that. great movie. If you've never seen it or you don't remember it, uh, the previews for it, it's a World War I movie, but it is almost completely one long shot. I mean, they do some tricks. I'm sure they took breaks in there, but it appears to be one very long shot following a couple soldiers across battle lines. That movie was awesome. And then there is a documentary that was made by... Um, Peter Jackson, who did the Lord of the Rings movies, they invented this new technology where they took, um, you know, old you know, film footage from the 19-teens and, or even 1920s. It's a little bit like herky-jerky and everything is sped up. 
they came up with this technology that allowed them to slow the film down but increase the quality of the image. So what you end up with is a high definition, full color, full screen with a full recreated sound experience. And then then it's a documentary featuring World War I veterans, video or film that was taken of them, I think in the 60s or 70s, telling their stories. And it's incredible. It's really, really incredible. It's the the closest that you'll ever get to, I guess, being there or seeing what they saw. Yeah, as great as that would be, right? Being there. Oh, and it's called They Shall Not Grow Old. I'll check that out. You know, the thing about World War I is, yes, the war sucks. All these people died. And then you, the war's finally over. Everyone's happy. Now we can all move on as a, as a global civilization. Nope. Fucking Spanish flu. And a whole bunch of genocide. Yeah. And not only that, but this fucking time of peace would last 20 years. There's a whole Wikipedia, long Wikipedia article called Genocides in History, World War I through World War II. Dude, 20 years ago. There's 20, 20 uh, like just over 20 years of time between World War I and World War II. 21 years ago was the year 2000. <laughs> like, that's the time of difference between these world wars. It's a lot of goddamn killing. Yeah. World War One, number six. Good times. So, what's more important than World War One in history, Brandon? <laughs> Apparently, World War II. World War II, there's three events all very associated with okay. World War II. Okay. If that's the case, then I've, I'm going to do a little bit better here. One of them is December 7th, 1941, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Wow. No. No. Okay. How about... It's not in here. June 6th, 1944, D-Day. No. Okay. The dropping of the atomic bomb. Yes. Okay. That's got to be... That's number three. Okay. Number three. So, there's the war itself and then one other thing that are both in the top four here. So, let's talk about the atomic bomb in 1945. Did you say the war itself is one of the items? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably, I I think these are the most interesting notes of today is this one. Number three, atomic bomb. The U.S. detonated two nuclear weapons over the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki on August 6th and 9th, 1945. The bombings killed up to 226,000 people, most of whom were civilians and remains the only use of nuclear weapons in armed conflict. Think about the gravity of everything I just said. The United States, the greatest country on earth, the beacon of hope and peace and freedom in the, in the world. They are the only ones, we are the only ones to use nuclear weapons, and then we're scared and threatened by everyone else using nuclear weapons. Yeah, nuked, nuked civilians. Yeah, civilians. It's almost all civilians that died. But yeah, um, there's a ton of like just wild stories. Like um, I saw a picture once of someone who survived the bombing. Yeah, here it is right here. It's a woman who uh, the tight-fitting areas of her clothes that she was wearing, the pattern was burnt into her skin. My God. So she has like a geometric pattern on her skin where her dress was touching her with the heat flash. But Brandon, doesn't she deserve it for being part of Japan, who we were at war, war with? I'm going to have to say no. Mm. Well, let me tell you more about these casualties. Here's what happened. The Allies called for the unconditional surrender 
of Japanese armed forces in July of 1945. They said, no, no. They ignored it, in fact. They threatened prompt and utter destruction, is the quote that they threatened Japan, and Japan ignored the ultimatum. Of course, America hated Japan at this time because of Pearl Harbor. So the bombs happened in August of 1945. For months after that, large numbers of people continued to die from the effects of burns, radiation sickness, and injuries compounded by illness and malnutrition. Most of the dead were civilian. And get this, by 1945, uh, the year, so within, between August and the end of the year that year, not including any other long-term deaths in later years, up to 39% of Hiroshima and 32% of Nagasaki's populations were killed. Yeah. 39% of the population dead in four months. Japanese officials determined that 69% of Hiroshima's buildings were destroyed. Over 90% of the doctors in Hiroshima and 93% of the nurses in Hiroshima were killed or injured. Most had been in the downtown area, which received the greatest damage. So the hospitals were also destroyed and heavily damaged. So not only do you have all this death, all this destruction, all these fires everywhere, now 90% of your doctors and 93% of your nurses can't help you. And the hospital where they would normally help you is also destroyed. Because they're all exploded. The Japanese government signed the Instrument of Surrender on September 2nd, effectively ending the war. They waited almost a month to sign that fucking thing, so I guess... I don't know. Apparently playing a fucking real dangerous game. I mean, you got to swallow your pride and surrender. It's hard. I get it. Do you know the project that created the... It was the Manhattan Project. Yes, it began in 1939 modestly, but grew to employ more than 130,000 people and cost nearly $23 billion in today's money. Hell yeah. In the days immediately following the bombings, Americans overwhelmingly approved the action. Oh, yeah. By a margin of 85% of Americans said they approved. However, years later in 1995, because that first survey was right after it happened, in 95, the approval rating dropped from 85 to 59. So they still had majority, but quite a bit less. The American monopoly on nuclear weapons lasted four years before the Soviet Union's detonated an atomic bomb in 1949. The United States responded with the development of the hydrogen bomb, a nuclear weapon a thousand times as powerful as the bombs that devastated Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. So in the U.S.'s possession right now is a bomb 1,000 times more powerful oh, than Hiroshima. Well, they have bombs that are, that are even way more powerful than that now, too. That's great. By early 2019, more than 90% of the world's 14,000 nuclear weapons were owned by Russia and the U.S. That's a great pairing, Russia and the U.S. owning all that. And by, nine, uh, by 2020, nine nations had nuclear weapons, but Japan was not one of them. We don't know how to fucking... That's interesting, right? You'd think, I mean, if it was America that had been bombed, or plenty of other countries, the very first thing they'd do after they finished, you know, scraping the dead off the fucking streets of downtown, mm-hmm. the first thing they'd do is fucking develop their own bomb. Yeah. So they could react accordingly in the future, but not Japan. Aside from their current COVID situation, seems to be like an overall like healthier and happier place now than here. Get out of here with that propaganda. I could be wrong. I don't know nothing about nothing, but they seem to be doing okay over there. Japan is one of the places I'd love to visit outside the US. I've never been. But I don't want to go when they're about to be bombed by the US. <laughs> Which, you know, could happen anytime. Certainly, there's going to be a nuclear war at some point. Is it going to happen in uh, our lifetimes, Brandon? God. You never fucking know. I mean, you never know. 
Wasn't there a story you told me once about, I think it was you, that there was some nuclear plant where some like frontline worker almost set off a nuclear bomb and didn't by happenstance? Do you remember that? It's like Nebraska, maybe? There's a short, like I think it's a one-hour PBS documentary. I saw it on Netflix. It was called Command and Control. It's about the 1980 Damascus Titan missile explosion in Damascus, Arkansas. Basically, like, this worker was doing, like, some routine maintenance shit on this missile silo, and he dropped something, and it fell down, and it nicked something where gaffs started leaking from the missile to into the silo. It became a problem, like, it's filling with this gas, we can't get down there to stop it. Um, If it, like, it did end up exploding, but we're just fortunate that the nuclear warhead did not also explode. The missile itself exploded, but not the, the fuel to move the missile exploded, not the nuclear warhead. God. All that shit is just hanging by a thread when you think about it. It's like just right there. If I remember, I could be wrong. They even moved whoever the governor was at the time. They like moved them away because they were like, yeah, the, <laughs> if this explodes, we need to have the Arkansas governor in a, a safe distance from it. Gotta do all you can to protect the Arkansas governor. Okay, let's move on. Give me another guess. Hmm. You said there's two more World War II era ones? Yes. Uh, the Holocaust. The Holocaust is number four, right behind the atomic bombing. The Holocaust. These are notes that always get people excited. Yeah. What is there to say? I think we all know what the Holocaust is. It's the genocide of European Jews during World War II. Between 1941 and 1945, Nazi Germany and its collaborators systematically murdered some 6 million Jews across German-occupied Europe, around two-thirds of Europe's Jewish population. Two-thirds of the Jewish population annihilated in four years. Insane when you think about it. About half of the murders took place in concentration camps in German-occupied Poland. Germany uh, and its collaborators also persecuted not just Jews, but millions of others, including ethnic Poles, Soviet civilians, and prisoners of war, the Roma, the disabled, political and religious dissidents, and gay men. It just says gay men, not gay women, so... I have to think that they would have been included, too. No, I think it's the thing, like, you know, even in modern times now, the uh, white conservative right-wing politician will decry homosexuality and gay marriage and gay rights, and then when you look at their internet search history, they're looking up lesbian porn all the time. Right. I think that's what it is. After World War I which we talked about, many Germans did not accept that their country had been defeated. Kind of like how uh, the last president. Yeah. A stab in the back myth developed insinuating that disloyal politicians, chiefly Jews and communists, had orchestrated Germany's surrender. So from the early 1920s onwards, Adolf Hitler, who rose to power, compared the Jews to germs and said that they should be dealt with in the same way. This led to the Holocaust, which included in the concentration camps, which meant extermination through labor. That was the policy. Concentration camp inmates would literally be worked to death or to physical exhaustion, at which point they would be gassed or shot. The Germans estimated that the average prisoner's lifespan in a concentration camp was three months or less. As a result of lack of food and clothing, constant epidemics, and frequent punishments 
for even the most minor transgressions. So if you got to a concentration camp, your average lifespan was three months after that. Many of the primary leaders of the Holocaust, including Hitler himself, as well as Himmler and Goebbels, they'd committed suicide months before the trials began after the war. In a 1994 Gallup poll, actually, so before I get to the next point, I'm going to pause there. Anything you want to say? Uh, no, I just uh, think it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. But was it real? Oh, yeah. Because in a 1994 Gallup poll, 37% of people said it was possible that the Holocaust never happened. Who the, f- the fuck are these people? I mean, does QAnon believers believe in the Holocaust? Looked up some pretty fucked up pictures of like huge piles of dead bodies right now. It's, it wasn't hard to find them. Holocaust denial is considered a serious societal problem and it is illegal in several European countries and Israel. I'm looking at a picture of men walking through a sea of bodies. Yeah, the proof is everywhere. I don't know how a theory like that gains ground, but it goes to show you again, like what you're saying at the top of the show with the QAnon shit and everything happening in the world today. To add to that, I always thought like, how does someone like Hitler get to that point? Like, how does he influence and gain so much power? And then Donald Trump happened. And look, obviously, I don't I like, I know it's a slippery slope because Donald Trump, he studies, didn't do he, a Holocaust. Yeah. Obviously, you can't believe everything you read about Donald Trump, but something that pops up all the time and has for years is that one of the only books he's ever read in totality is a book of Hitler's speeches. He's on record saying that, like, he's a Hitler fan. He He thinks he was a very effective leader. Now, if you pinned him down in an interview, he would, like, wiggle away and say, look, no, of course, of course he's terrible, you know, he was a horrible person, of course. But no, you've heard him say tons of times that like he's fascinated and inspired by his ability to sway people. Yeah, and that's what happened. And I'm not trying to compare Trump to Hitler and the Holocaust, but I'm just saying like the path to that point is a similar trajectory, I think. Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Hopefully it means something to someone. That's it on the Holocaust. Yeah, let's move on from that happy thought. Okay, so the top two, I don't have anything written down for. Number one is if you were to sum up World War II, what would you say? Sum up World War II. Would you just say World War II? <laughs> yeah. Because that's I, what it is. No, that's number one? Yeah. Number one is World War II. Okay. And I think that's undeniably number one, right? Like, could anyone ever argue that? Yeah. I mean, technically, it's World War II. It's World War Yeah. Yes. Yes. You could say World War I was more like influential, maybe. No, that's right. I'm, I've come around. It's World War II is definitely... Yeah. So World War II, we're going to give an extremely brief history lesson here. The instability created in Europe by the First World War, which was number six, set the stage for another international conflict, World War II, which would prove even more devastating. Hitler's invasion of Poland in September 1939 drove Great Britain and France to declare war in Germany, marking the beginning of the war. Over the next six years, the conflict would take more lives and destroy more land and property around the globe than any previous war. Among the estimated 45 to 60 million people killed were 6 million Jews in the Holocaust. So up to 60 million deaths in total from this war. There was 20-something million in World War I, so about triple. Yeah, a lot of them were Soviet. Yeah, because of Stalin. Not just because of Stalin, but also because, like, they just through well i guess maybe because of stalin technically also because they threw 
soldiers at the um, right. on the Eastern Front. Life was not precious to them. That was their one of their big advantages over the German was they just had more people, but also a lot of people died of uh, starvation during sieges on the Eastern Front. A lot of civilians. Yeah, it was mostly civilians. It says that at least 50 million deaths from the war were civilians. You know, we've all heard of World War II. Let's talk about a lesser discussed item of World War II, and that's that World War II exposed a glaring paradox within the U.S. armed forces. Because, although more than a million African Americans served in the war to defeat Nazism and fascism, Mm -hmm. they did so in segregated units. The same discriminatory Jim Crow policies that were rampant in American society were reinforced by the U.S. military. Black servicemen rarely saw combat and were largely relegated to labor and supply units that were commanded by white officers. So we're in this war for our lives, not just our lives, but the lives of a lot of countries around the world. But let's make sure that we uphold our uh, Jim Crow laws. Well, on one hand, yeah, I guess if you were a black man who wanted to fight and, and serve, you've been denied that. But at the same time, like, I also think about, man, don't, don't make me go die for a country that doesn't give a fuck about me. That, you know, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. But I mean, I, that, I think that's not my, that's definitely not my original thought, but I know, that, I know. the Muhammad Ali, he was at the, in the prime of his career when he was drafted in Vietnam and took like, took a huge hit and took a huge risk by saying like, no, I don't want to go and like fight for me. Like you guys won't fight for me here with basic shit. Like my civil rights. Yeah, it's so true. I accept and agree with all that. Yeah, I agree with uh, both sides. There's, there's also men who are like, I want to fight and I want to serve the same as my white counterparts and they should have been able to do that too. It's just the overall spirit of the thing, right? It's like, you're not even allowed the choice. You are less than the white people. So you don't even, you're going to be relegated to like this. Yeah, like you're drafting every able-bodied man between the ages of like 18 and 40. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't get around that shit enough to admit that like, yes, these men are perfectly capable of doing everything these other men are doing. Yep. It also gave us the Forrest Gump movie. Wait, what? World War Two. No, it didn't. He was, he didn't go. Oh, that's Vietnam. You're right. It's <laughs> Vietnam. He gave us Saving Private Ryan. One of the pros of World War II was it gave us some entertainment. <laughs> One of the pros. <laughs> A lot of cons. The overall legacy would include the spread of communism from the Soviet Union into the Eastern Europe, as well as the eventual triumph in China, of communism that is, and the global shift in power from Europe to two rival superpowers, the US and the Soviet Union, that would soon face off in the Cold War. Oh, is that the other one? Is the Cold War number two? No. Number two, you might be too sexist to get. I just don't know if you respect women enough to even guess it. (laughs) Is it like women's liberation? Women gaining the right to vote in 1920. Oh, suffrage. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I respect our women listeners, even if Brandon doesn't. It's number two, women gaining the right to vote. In 1872, Susan B. Anthony, listener of the show, was arrested and fined $100 for casting an illegal vote in the presidential election. Almost 50 years later, Anthony and other members of the American suffrage movement succeeded in their cause. Because in 1920, the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was finally ratified, stating, quote, the right of the citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. And by sex, I I think they mean gender, not necessarily 
that it can't be a bridge based on having sex. You can only vote if you're willing to have some sex. Like, all right, we're finally going to turn around and let you vote. And then they make it even worse. It wouldn't have surprised me. I'm sure someone tried some bullshit like that. Well, we're going to talk about bullshit. So not directly related to the right to vote, but just women's rights in general. I pulled these notes. In a 1936 Gallup poll, this is 16 years after the right to vote, 82% of those surveyed indicated women should not be allowed to work and earn money if she has a husband capable of supporting her. What year was this? 36. Okay, not be allowed. (laughs) Should be allowed to earn money is how it's worded. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is this shit? To experience like a modicum of freedom. 1936 is not that long ago. I mean, honestly. Yeah. In 1948, another poll said, do you approve or disapprove of women of any age wearing slacks in public? That is, for example, while shopping. Now, again, you said this was 1940? 48. Okay, 48. Can women wear slacks in public? Yes or no? In 1948. Let me guess. Go ahead. More than 50% said no. Well, 34% said yes. Uh-huh. 39% said no. 32% said indifferent. How are you indifferent on that? That is a very clear, like, do you think women should be respected enough to make their own decision about how they dress themselves in public. That is a straight up yes or no, not I don't give a fuck. And even in the question, they even in the question, they had to be like, women be shopping. Do you approve of them wearing slacks in public, for example, while shopping? For example, (laughs) when they're allowed out, when you dole out some dollars for them to go down to the grocery store, that's some real handmaid's tale shit. Yeah. This country and other countries too, but this country has a very shitty history when it comes to treating anyone that's not a white Just male period. with respect. <laughs> Just period. Just like what the whole thing about um, critical race theory is, is like, I've heard people argue that it teaches like races are different and things like that. No, all it, critical race theory, all it does is teach the history that Macmillan and the other people who put history books together don't fucking want you to learn. Yeah, because it all sucks. It's all the shitty stuff. Yeah. We have a terrible history, and we're still making terrible history today. We're still up to our shenanigans. You have these hope spots here and there, like women gaining the right to vote, but then it came probably, well, definitely way too late, and too little too late. I don't know. It's like, we can't pat ourselves on the back for giving women, granting women the chance to vote when it should have been that way all along. Yeah, it's not granting, giving someone something, it's you're stopping preventing them from doing the thing that they should just fucking do. Well, my last note is that they asked women, women specifically, what in history, uh, they gave them a list and like, what has had the greatest impact on women? 73% said suffrage movement. You know what? I appreciate the perspective because yeah, you're right. From a, <laughs> I'm, I'm being totally honest. From a man's perspective, it did not, I mean, it, I didn't write it down. I wrote down like 20 things. It never entered my head, but I'm glad it was on here. I'm glad I was open to learning something new because, yeah, obviously made a huge difference. And not just to women, but it reshapes our country because that's another half of the population that can let their opinions be known. Yeah. After suffrage, women said the things most important to women's history is birth control. Hell yeah. And then the opportunity for higher education. They didn't even have a chance to go to, to higher education. It's just whatever, man. It fucking sucks. Get angry when I think about this shit. All right. <laughs> Let me give you the top 10 again, but I'm actually going to start back at 18. Start with 18 and let's hear what some of those didn't make the cut. 
Number 18. So this is a big one, but I, I agree it doesn't belong in the top 10. The Watergate scandal involving yeah. Richard Nixon. 17 is the impeachment of Bill Clinton in 1998. Oh, that was just too fresh. If you asked this today, that wouldn't, it wouldn't yeah. be a blip on the radar. Yes, to your point. This poll was done in 1999. Yeah. The Persian Gulf War in 1991 no, is it number wouldn't 16. Be, it probably wouldn't be if you asked that one now either. The Korean War is number 15. The Russian Sputnik satellites is number 14. Charles Lindbergh's transatlantic flight in 1927 is 13. Mm -hmm. The Vietnam War is 12. I don't know. Maybe that should be in the top 10, huh? 11 is the breakup of the Soviet Union in the early 1990s. Oh, that's interesting. They, I mean, I realize that they are not the same thing, but for the purposes of this survey, Americans separated the fall of Berlin Wall and the breakup mm -hmm. of the Soviet Union. So as I go through the top 10, let me know if there's any of the 10 you would knock out in favor of those. And obviously, you know, with the caveats, we didn't fucking die in the war and all that shit. We're not disrespecting people. So the top 10, according to Americans in 1999, is the U.S. Depression of the 30s. Number nine is the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. Number eight is the assassination of JFK in 1963. Landing a man on the moon in 1969 is number seven. Number six is World War One. Number five is the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Number four is the Nazi Holocaust. Number three is the atomic bombs in 1945 in Japan. Number two is women gaining the right to vote in 1920. And number one, uh, undisputed, I'd say, is World War Two. Heavyweight champ. Yeah, the only one that I would kick out and switch I would switch the Berlin Wall with Vietnam. I mean, if we're going with a purely American perspective. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like American perspective, yes. Global perspective, I don't know if I'd take the wall out. No. Not if we're talking global, but since this was very rah-rah American. You could, you could take the moon landing out of the tent. Like, obviously, it's a super cool moment, but has it done much since then? Like, I don't know. It didn't reshape um, the borders of countries and drastically change yeah. our day-to-day -day lives. I think I would, would, I would take out the moon landing and put Vietnam in here. And then I'd put Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears as number I one. I was going to say the release of Star Wars. <laughs> I was gonna, trying to think of some pop culture something. We switch that out with like uh, the Civil Rights Act. Spaceballs. <laughs> That's what we should switch in there. All right. Well, that was fun, huh? Yeah. You're welcome. Learned a lot. I'll take that as a thank you. You learned me good. Let's wrap it up by learning you good with some podcast reviews. Every week, I read some reviews from listeners like you. And the first one comes from, there's a movie for that on Apple Podcasts. They say, what a fun podcast. Love the banter between these guys. And I did not know that two men could feel so dot 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 passionately about the Starbucks logo. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that logo. Amorously about the Starbucks logo. I had a fun time listening and would recommend finding a topic that appeals to you because once you do, you will be going down a big rabbit hole listening to your new favorite podcast. Thank you. Brayden, I know you love big rabbit holes and big holes in general. Any kind of rabbit hole. Could be a big one, small one. I'll get my way. I'll work my way in there if I need to. Could be a moon landing is fake manhole. Or not manhole. Rabbit hole that you can go down. Ew. Which I don't believe if that's not clear. I don't believe the conspiracy theory. I believe we landed on the moon. Just want to make that ultra clear. 
So Megan on Apple Podcast says, this is such a good podcast. Y'all check it out now. There's a good mix of topics. The hosts are awesome and balance the banter with great talent and research. Fantastic work. So a review from Granny Clampett. <laughs> is that your grandpa from the Great Depression leaving that review? Uh, Oklahoma 1930s? Uh-huh. Well, thanks for the reviews. If you want me to read yours, leave a review and I'll read it on a future episode. Now, next week, Brandon, you have the list and it's episode 140. It's a tentpole episode. Make it good. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Well, I don't know. Try to do something about tents. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Quick reminders, join us live on Twitch this Monday night and find us on the July 15th bonus episode from Twisted and Uncorked podcast where we guessed the top 10 locations where dead bodies are dumped in the US. After that, we'll be back next week. Thanks again. Thanks. <laughs>